Welcome to Everyday Driver, where cars are more than just transportation. They're freedom, a common ground, a way to grow, and can even make life better. We're here to help everyone find a car they love and discover all the ways they connect us. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is The Car Debate. Hey, it's Friday. Thanks for joining us. Happy Friday. Welcome back to the podcast. This is number 660. They just keep shooting It's by. not significant other than the fact that I cannot believe we've reached that number. It's, it's amazing. Here we are. Well, speaking of another number we can't believe we reached, that is season 10. Yes. On the Motor Trend Cable Channel, debuting 7.30 a.m. Eastern on, on the 1st, January 1st, 2022. 10 seasons. I still can't believe that. You know how I know it's happening? I actually shipped an episode. Well, but yes, like, there like, is like that. actually been sent to the <laughs> yeah. TV station, and more, many, many more are coming. We are we are buried to our eyeballs and edit. And if you haven't seen it, did you see the pieces we dropped on YouTube yesterday? Two brand new pieces in addition to the TV stuff we're doing behind the scenes. I would actually think that the TV stuff would be forefront, but technically, to all of you listening, it's behind the scenes because we dropped a new Civic Si piece on the test drive channel, you and I test driving mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. and I dropped my Lotus Road Trip piece I took with my son that I filmed back this summer and I kept trying to find a place to put it, and I finally figured out right, I'm going to put it right here. It dropped yesterday. If you haven't seen it, it's just kind of a crazy little piece where you watch us enjoy slash suffer through 1,400 miles in the car. It's pretty pretty crazy. Well, I have a, a little story that I don't think you know, actually. Oh, no, okay. I called your wife, Kate, while you were on your road trip. I okay. had to yeah, talk yeah. to her about something. And I said, hey, have you heard from the guys? And I, I love that it was so very much a father-son experience totally. because he will remember that forever. Probably, yeah. I, I mean, I kind of think now the car isn't ever leaving your yeah. life. You're just going to have to add from here on out. So get <laughs> yeah. ready for that, too. Yes, I think so, yeah. But I called Kate, and I was just talking to her about whatever, and I said, hey, have you heard from the guys? And she said, yeah, Bodie doesn't want to shower, and those guys are pretty ripe when they get out of the car after about six hours in the road, and that little tiny car is like, oh, yeah, okay, great. I'm out there having fun. But this was the manifestation of that. <laughs> I just thought, that's all I could think of when I was watching it. That's funny. Just thought, yeah, you're pretty hot in the car. Six hours. Get to the well, hotel. But here's time for a shower. Here's the flip side. I have never <laughs> been this guy ever on a road trip until this road trip. And that is, I specifically sat down when I was planning the trip, and I looked for hotels that had pools. I am not a guy that finishes a day in the car and goes, or, or period, just finishes a day. is like, I want to go to the hotel pool. I'm sure, just not that guy. Sure. But my son really likes to swim, and he loves hotel pools. So I just thought, okay, let's do that, which ended up being actually wonderful. It was a great like reset for being in the car. And then it was this great one-two punch. <laughs> wash the tank as, off. As a, father, as a father, it was a great one-two punch because <laughs> he would get in the pool, and then it would motivate him for, you need to take a shower now. Okay, okay. So gotcha. we were just, we were resetting ourselves every day. That hotel pool was a godsend, <laughs> I'm telling you. I'm sure yeah. it was. It was funny. That's all I could think about watching. Anyway, funny. it's a great piece. It's, uh, yeah, I can't believe you guys put that many mi- miles in the car, but amazing, man. So really well fun. done on that. Really and fun. yeah, the Civic Si came out. So we were just a bit behind the launch on the mm-hmm. Civic Si, yeah. but nevertheless, the reason was, was because we were on our big Northwest road mm-hmm. trip. Yep. And yep. so we shot that actually during the time the Civic came out, but we were able to still include, thanks to Honda, mm-hmm. that car as a test drive and an upcoming TV episode against the Mark 8 Golf GTI. Yeah, it's really so cool. That, that is coming too. So both those episodes are out. Guys, welcome to the podcast. We've got a couple of great debates for you. First off from Philip, Philip M. in sunny Estero, Florida. Estero. Guess what? It's, uh, it's straight and flat there. That's what he says. Yeah. He and his wife and his family, they're Turo people. Uh, okay. They don't have just one car they Turo. They have three 
cars. They Turo. I have to say, there They're Turo is, people. There is a, um, a a fleet part of me that that <laughs> tries to excuse that. I, I can't really afford one of those, but maybe if I put it on Turo, then I, can, I, I do have those <laughs> right. thoughts. And so I'm reading That's this funny. whole breakdown here and just going, this is a bad influence, Philip. Thanks for that. Well, Philip's been listening to the podcast for a couple of years. Really appreciate it, Philip. He's watching the YouTube videos even longer. And he says he's 40 years old, married with two daughters, two and six. They live in sunny Florida, the land of no twisty roads, he says. Okay. He's average size, and he's got several income sources, but his primary day-to-day job is a business administrator. Okay. So these three Turo cars are, first of all, a pretty brand new 2021 Tesla Model 3. Mm-hmm. Okay. 2019 Infiniti QX50 created in Blandsville. <laughs> Where on the map is Blandsville? Uh, we don't. We didn't even put it on the map. It's just, it's just not even important. It's like... On the Simpsons, if, if, when you, when they try to describe the corner, what state they're in, and yes. <laughs> when Marge does that, you know, yes, it's so funny. Well, and there's also the the one. Sorry, I'm thinking of this because in the Lotus Road Trip, we actually went to the four, to Four Corners. That's right. There's a, there's a yeah. Simpsons episode that where they go to Five Corners. <laughs> Where where so Springfield funny. is part of the five corners, and, and they list off. They stand on a hillside, and everybody lists the states you could see from one place. It's like, no, I'm sorry, but <laughs> Not none of that actual works. actual geography, but it's funny. The last car is a 2013 BMW X6M. He says in parentheses, fast, rare, and heavy. Okay. Now, these cars effectively pay for themselves and then some. That's so they're, great. Because well they're rented out so much, there have been times they've been without a car for a day or two, mm. but that just translates into an unhappy wife. Yes. She needs to go somewhere and she has no car at all. That's not good. Now, they're wanting to keep the Model 3 and the QX50 and replace the X6M with something both he and his wife can drive and not list on Turo. A car that they actually can always have around. That's <laughs> right. novel. Now, they bought this X6M a little over a year ago. It's had extensive maintenance done in the last year, including the starter, turbo hoses, expansion tank, AC compressor. But he has had an extended warranty on the car. He says about 6000 in repairs only mm. cost him about two grand. And while this first-gen X6 is a rare beast, he loves to stomp on it when it isn't being rented. But this extended warranty is starting to run out and about 8,000 miles, and he says he's eager to move on from uh, it. That's code for I'm terrified, guys. This car must go, for sure. You can just exactly. feel it in this email. In his 24 years of car ownership, he's had many different driving experiences. Philip sends us a long list, punctuated. A long, long list. Well, there's, there's a section in here where it says, car, 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 car. Marriage, car, 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 yes. car, all the way down the list. Yes, for sure. <laughs> and it, well, I mean, the cars prior to marriage weren't significantly different, I'll say, than some Agreed. of the cars Agreed. Yeah, after yeah. you guys got married. So it wasn't like, you know, Ferrari, Porsche, sports car, Corvette, no, and then suddenly, no. you know, Corolla, second-gen Corolla, <laughs> third-gen Corolla. It wasn't like that. There's but a little I, bit of everything. I'm I mean, amazed there's, here. There's Volkswagen product, BMW product, Nissans, Hyundais, Mazdas. There's been all kinds of stuff on here. I'm, I'm kind of shocked at the range. But what I do find funny is that the, they land on these three current cars, all of which are on Turo, with no car car that isn't on Turo. Yeah, right. Well, the most memorable car that Philip has owned is the 1988 Honda Prelude SI in black. Okay. Those are cool. But his favorite cars that he's owned were an 85 BMW 535 and a Mark VI Golf. Mm. He says that E28 had a nice Bilstein Bavarian suspension setup, and the Golf was just a great overall car. Both he and his wife loved it. It was easy to live with, and he owned that car almost four years which is almost the longest he's owned any car, but it was the golf that happened to ignite his wife's interest in cars and driving. Mm, okay, good. He thinks he appreciated the analog feel of those cars as well as the suspension, but then the car that they're looking to get, 
once that X6M goes away, must Soon. do. <laughs> Soon. Quick, 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 quick. Who's like? <laughs> he does say it must do small kid duty, mm-hmm. be enjoyable to drive, and be decent on gas. But anything is better than the X6 currently getting 14 miles to the gallon. Well, it's because you stomp on it everywhere you go. It's so well, much fun, right? Yes, but also that's really all those thing, things do is burn gas, yeah. <laughs> he likes cars that are well-built, nimble enough in the corners, and have seats with good thigh support. Okay. But thankfully, Philip writes his wife is not hell-bent on an SUV, much to the chagrin of her suburb counterparts who <laughs> think it is child abuse to drive your kids around in anything other than a large SUV or a minivan. Bravo. Congratulations. And on your that. neighborhood is not unique. Uh, that, well, that's pretty absolutely. much the entire country. So that's that's, exactly. that's cool that you guys don't want one. Okay. All right. Well, Philip drives about 15 miles each way to work daily. And there's times when he does have to do more mileage, like 70 to 90 miles in a day. His wife is a stay at home mom while the other cars are being rented so they can share this new car when mm-hmm. she needs to run some errands or take the kids anywhere. And they reserve that QX50 for road trip duty when needed, Mm -hmm. so the new car doesn't necessarily need to be a long-distance hauler. And I should note here that if you can't picture it, the QX50, that's not a huge SUV. It's not the big narwhal thing. It's the midsize, so it's actually kind of a little bit bigger than a Porsche Macan, if you want to think about the range of it. It's it's like that that RAV4-sized SUV from Infiniti. So it's not monstrous, and I think it's interesting that they, A, don't necessarily need another SUV, and B, consider the QX50 to be the long-distance family hauler. It's not mm-hmm. like we have a big seven-seater or a monster minivan. They're doing fine with that, so we can actually go smaller than that if we want. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm, I was kind of thinking that. The cars on their list are already kind of small, mm-hmm. with the exception of a 2008 to 2010 Porsche Cayenne. They're looking at Golfs or E-Golfs or GTIs yeah. and a Mini Countryman. Those aren't big like cars it. necessarily. Like and I like that, Phil, you're thinking about going back to a Golf because you loved it so much. Mm-hmm. You might not have been done with it. So, yeah, maybe get another one. Get a GTI this time around. Here's the issue. The X6M would be a wash at sale and trade-in. Mm-hmm. It might make two grand or so. <laughs> Whoever takes that trade is going to be like, uh-huh. <laughs> sure. Here's what we'll give you. They'd like to keep this car for at least two years, whatever the next one that they get. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the budget is $12,000. Mm-hmm. But that's 12K for you. 12K for me, yeah. I get three grand extra. You get a free to pass up to 15. So the budget <laughs> so, really is sure. 15. Okay, good to know. And he says if he weren't using Turo or, or putting cars on Turo, his ideal garage at this point would be an electric vehicle for daily usage, which you already have. You've got the Model yeah, 3. Yeah, yeah. A Boxster came in a 911 for the weekends and date nights. He's always wanted to drive and own a Porsche and something for the wife. He, her favorite cars were the Golf and a 2019 Jeep Cherokee. Interesting. Okay. All right. Like it. Well, Phil, thanks so much for writing. Really appreciate it. I've been poking around with choices here and I... I thought about some wild card, but then I realized you've got this Tesla Model 3 already. And I'm mm-hmm. guessing that you have probably leased or just, you know, making payments on it. Yeah. But that Turo income is outweighing, you know, your, your lease payments, your, sure. your payments yeah, on for it. Sure. So it's making you money, which is great. And it's, you know, if you're doing the Turo game, it's always kind of fun to think about what are the cars that will be most rented. Let's see, a Jeep yeah. Wrangler, a Model 3, yep. a, probably a Corolla, maybe a Prius. You've hit on exactly what I've thought about for getting my <laughs> you know wife I mean? a, a Jeep Wrangler. I'm like, we could Turo it when we aren't using it because yeah. that would probably pay for itself. Anyway, I mean, yeah. People run little had business this empires If you go this. to L.A. or Vegas, yeah, and we've rented Turo cars both places, there are people that that's all they do is keep a fleet. 
Yeah. Five, it's very common in LA, five, six cars under the same owner, yep. and they're constantly rotating something, and they are able to keep all the cars paid for. And it, I remember meeting one guy who literally, that was now his job. Yeah, he, he did makes nothing enough else money. but Turo his fleet of cars. Didn't he have like eight cars going? Something like in that. In a cycle? Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Anyway. All right. Well, $15,000. I might have pushed on that just a touch. That's a surprise. <clears throat> because I'm hoping you get more dollars for that X6M than you hope. But I realize that's a hope. Yes. Starting with the 2018 to 2020 Acura TLX. Mm. Does have back seats. Yeah. Could do kid duty. Sure. Moderately fun. I did find a 2018 TLX with 26,000 miles in Pennsylvania for 199. So it's right at 20 grand. That was the, about the cheapest of the non-rhinoplasty beaks, cars, <laughs> beaked cars that I could find. But then I moved on because I thought of the 10th generation Honda Civic. We liked oh, okay. the SI. Sure, yeah. But we really liked the new SI. It's a little yeah. bit of a spoiler alert. Yeah. Many people like that new SI, as you probably know by now. But please watch our YouTube. It's on our test drive channel. That just came out. But then I thought, how about a 2019 Corolla Hatchback XSE with 16,440 miles for 18.5? Really? You found one that cheap? Yeah. That's now, a good car. There's the, most of them are just the SEs. Mm -hmm. But occasionally an XSE will fly by yeah, yeah. and you think, oh, now there's, there's some you know interesting, mm -hmm. fun, mild, lukewarm hatch kind of thing going on. But you're going to have to decide, you know, do you want the manual? Can you live with it? Do you want to drive a manual transmission? Sure, yeah. You know, that's that's totally up to you. But most of the XSEs that I found had 120,000 miles on them. People just commuted wow. these things. Wow, okay. Why the XSE? And mm. they had significantly more miles than all the rest of the SEs. That's interesting. It was, okay. it was kind of a weird little trend. Phil, I was thinking about Hyundai Konas, either the Kona Electric or just a straight-up Hyundai Kona. Many people have talked about this car and were hearing very good things, despite not having driven a Kona yet. I'm intrigued by it, and it does start at $21,000 for the base. The electric starts at thirty four k. But again, you're already driving a Tesla Model 3. You've already got one, and take it off Turo when you want an electric you know, sure. Yeah. Ride, yeah, you yeah. Know, just take it off. But I do get, those are the workhorse. Those are the moneymakers cash mm -hmm. cow. Let, yeah. let that uh, continue to be on there. So I like these as, you know, kind of a, a fun interim car. I suppose you could go smaller, but I'm, I'm definitely, I didn't go sports car because I do want your kids to go with you mm -hmm. in the back seats, whatever you get. Interesting. I, I'm kind of all over the map here, Phil, because I've got, well, you'll see me break it down, but I tried to stay smaller than that QX 50. The one exception was I did think you could just go get yourself a nice Honda Accord Sport. Mm -hmm. You could go mm -hmm. manual, or you, I mean, you could get a manual. You could, or you could go there really nice. I think it's still the the nine speed in that car, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. and depending yeah. on how far back you go, the, the, the it gets less oh, gears. Yeah. It, depending it, it, how far back are you, it, it, it's ten speed, nine speed, eight speed, <laughs> right. six. It just, Older the yeah. car, fewer gears. Anyway, so you could get an Accord. Now, here's the thing: if you, the the Accord's an interesting animal because you'll have tons of family space, you'll have good gas mileage. You could get it manual if you want it. But that is a car that is very dependent on tires. Not that all cars aren't, but we have had very different experiences with Accords based on the tires that they've given it to us with. Absolutely. So yeah. get the sport version because typically they have a little bit better handling anyway and then worry about the tires that are on it. I think that car could surprise you. While I'm at Honda, I will say the same thing you just did, Paul, and that is the prior gen Civic. We're just now in the 11th gen, the 10th mm -hmm. gen. We drove in every variant yeah. We drove the Sport, we drove the SI, and we drove the Honda Civic Type R. Yep. It was still good in the Sport. Watch our old, uh, I think it's episode, I think it's season two 
where is he's it in back 10 that now. far? We did we did a wow. downtown Los Angeles discussion of the Mazda three, the Honda Accord, pardon me, the Honda uh, Civic Sport, and the Elantra. I had a lot of caffeine in me. You had a, that, it was it was early. Early. There's it was a, a lot it was of a four a.m. shoot that was report yeah, to downtown at four a.m. It was yeah. a lot of caffeine. There was a lot going on. There was some serious iced coffee happening <laughs> with Paul. So he was he was he was more awake than all of the rest of us <laughs> combined. Was, it was like easy buddy, pretty awake, easy buddy. But uh, but that sport even was really really solid. So it I think was. that is a really yeah. good choice. There's two in Honda. Look at a nice Mazda three. Why not the Mazda three? Yeah, absolutely. They're very solid. They aren't all that sporty, but then it made me think, you know what? For your budget, can you find somebody's Mazda Speed 3? Do you want the laugh? You don't have corners in Florida, but the Mazda Speed 3 just makes every straight out into a corner. It's got so much torque steer. You put your foot in it, it just pulls. (laughs) just pulls to the right. Everything's a corner. Turning straights into a corner. Exactly. The, The Mazda Speed 3 can actually be really fun. And then I had this thought while I'm thinking about hatchbacks for you that I think you would enjoy. Because I want to step back to the fact that the ones you've mentioned, the Golf or the Mini Countryman, yeah, sure, I see it. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But what about a Fiat 500, a BART? Oh, that's great, They're actually. right in your budget. They yeah. are surprisingly usable. They're more usable than the Fiesta ST. They have much more character than the Fiesta ST. They're not quite as good to drive. But mm-hmm. I think I'd rather mm-hmm. be in one in a daily kind of commute sense. The Abarts are cheap. They're fun. We know tons of people that have had them have great experience with them. They do have usable back seats. I think auto, I, I much prefer the car in the manual, but it's not an amazing manual transmission. If you got that in an auto, I think you'd also be It'd very still happy. still be fun. I think yes. you're right. That's great. So Fiat like 500 Abart is kind of my favorite of the ones I've mentioned. And then I had one wild card. Mm. And I mentioned it only because you did come back around to You've owned a bit of everything. You would love to have an EV for daily commute, and your usage is less than 100 miles a day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You could get yourself a BMW i3 as the family car mm. because the the th- Model 3 is getting rented all the time. Let that make money. Right. Just but an i3, you could just go buy. Yeah. And no. then you could have it. You have your electric, interesting, unique commuter. You could drive it everywhere you need to drive it. That car has about a hundred mile range. Well, that's your longest days. So I think that again, it's wild card. Empty. Seriously, it's wild Yikes. card territory. But I did think if you really do want to have a, a new experience and you do want to have EV for your daily, that is the family car that's not getting rented. Because I don't. Th- here's the other thing: I don't think the model. The, pardon me, the BMW i3 is something that Turo would even care about. You could put it on there, and I think it would rarely ever get rented. I'm thinking not. Yeah. Whereas the Model Three constantly. But I think the i3 might meet your life. And they're mm. unique and interesting. So that's why it's a wild card for me. That I-3, there is no deviation from your pre-planned route. If you're hungry, I'm sorry. <laughs> there will be no food. The you day has been mapped. get there. We are going 86 miles. Exactly. We have 88 miles worth of range. Exactly. Get your, get your hands back in, I, the, in the windows, kids. I don't care if you're hungry, tired, thirsty. <laughs> We're going to our destination first. Phil, thank you so much for writing. If you've got a debate like Phil's, TV at gmail.com. Really appreciate it. We're big fans of Haggerty, and you've heard us talk about Haggerty. But I don't think we've mentioned this new offering they announced late last year, Garage and Social. It's like a big fun clubhouse for car lovers. Each physical location offers climate-controlled storage, complete vehicle maintenance and service, plus tons of events and experiences exclusively for their members. You don't even have to own a car to be part of this club. They've got social memberships available that give people all the perks without the storage. There are many locations already, Chicago, New York, Delray Beach in Florida, and Miami, too. And they're not slowing down, either. They're announcing new locations all the time. We're just waiting for the announcement that they're opening a Park City location, hopefully soon. Learn more about this exclusive car club and storage facility at garageandsocial.com. 
Alexander H. writes to us with a hypothetical. Okay. But kind of. <laughs> he says, imagine this. You're cruising down the road with a kid in the back seat. You get to a nice open stretch and you put the pedal down to the floor. Mm. Your apathetic four-cylinder winds up and then your kid asks, is there something wrong with the car? <laughs> Dad, <laughs> what's wrong with the car? And then he reminds you that the Corvette you once owned was much cooler. <laughs> Yeah, I I like that Corvette better. How am I doing? How am I doing, Alexander? Pretty good. Flashbacks? You agree with him and tell him, someday, son, someday. (laughs) Well, today is that day, or maybe Mm -hmm. 2022 is the year to put smiles back on our faces when we drive our cars again. I like it. Alexander turned on our podcast a couple months ago. He's been binging our episodes and hopes there is a glimmer of hope to solve his car search. There is hope, buddy. Hang in there. Let's let's buy you something fun, I promise. Sure. He's currently driving a 2014 Ford, Ford Fusion Energy. Mm. Energy? Energy. It's energy. the energy. It's, yeah. it's the energy. energy. It's also EcoBoost, which is Yay. just turbo. Right. It, it, it's the same company, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> the same company that brought you EcoBoost. It was, I, I remember being at like the big press reveal, Motor Press Guild in LA, when they had somebody high up at Ford was there to tell us about EcoBoost. And the entire presentation, I just kept thinking, so you're... Building turbos? Isn't this just a turbo? I mean, I, you can call it EcoBoost a thousand times if you like. But anyway, so that boost was is boost is now boost. it's the energy. Okay. <laughs> well, he says his wife drives a 2018 Volkswagen Atlas. Okay. But it's the Fusion that will be getting replaced hopefully in the next year because the Atlas is used as their tow vehicles and long-distance hauler since his wife says the Fusion seats aren't great for her on long distances. Okay. This Corvette, this aforementioned Corvette was a C6. He owned it for three years and had a great time, but had to sell it to finance a remodel. Corvette or kitchen. Congratulations. I hope your kitchen is awesome. That bathroom tile looks great, right? (laughs) Brought to you by Corvette. (laughs) The bathroom tile is checkered flags. You know it. Yeah, for sure. He's looking for something to fun, fun to drive again. Four doors, enough legroom for kids who will likely end up over six feet tall while he is still driving the car because Alexander tends to keep his cars for about eight to ten years. I'm going to stop there, Alexander, and just say, you know, and I say this because this is how I was raised, and this is how I bought cars before we started this show. And now I buy something ridiculous once a year, apparently. I've, I've swung the other way. <laughs> you don't have to swing quite this far, Alexander, but I am going to say to you, free yourself up from thinking that the car you buy has to last you a decade. Now, that thinking is very much in in line with finances. Yes, absolutely it is. Especially if you buy a new car, because that will take you through depreciation and to a point where... If you're buying new... It makes sense financially, more so than just owning a new car, even a car for just a year or two. If you're buying new, I do understand buying and keeping it through so that you actually stay on the right side of the depreciation. I do get that, but... I feel like we've had a lot of people that write us and they have that kind of thinking eight to 10 years. And I think sometimes you miss out on a great car or you keep a car too long. That can happen because your headspace is just, well, it has to last me as long as everything else did. It doesn't. We we hope everything we recommend will last you eight to 10 years. But let's say you get four or five years in and you decide this doesn't work for us. That's what happened with your Corvette. You had it three years and you went, life needs to change. Give yourself the the flexibility. We appreciate you sharing that, but Maybe it won't last eight to ten years, but let's shop that way anyway. I like it. Well, they live in the north. We don't know where in the north, so snow is a factor. Three is or four months of the Game year. Of Thrones. <laughs> We're in the north. Yes, it, winter is coming, the folks. Frozen yes. wasteland uh-huh. of the north. We're not quite sure, but Alexander is happy to put snow tires on a rear-wheel drive vehicle. We're thrilled to see this. Yes, have a tire strategy. Bravo, sir. 
Now, Alexander loves electric cars, and he's looking at everything new that's coming out. Mm -hmm. But he could still be convinced to have one last car with an internal combustion engine. I'd like to stop there. (laughs) This is Paul's stopping place. Screech. (laughs) Because I don't see the coming wave of electric cars. We're already in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. As being, this is the last dance. This is your last chance ever. Now or never, you better throw down for some manual transmission V8 powered mm-hmm. car yeah. because this is it. I mean, we're just over the edge from here on out. You're never, ever going to see a car. An internal combustion engine, aren't those for museums now? I think I saw it in a history book one you, time. That's the discussion. You would think that's where we're headed. And I'm with you. I don't think it's happening like overwhelming leg like everybody wants to put that out there. And Alexander, I'm not coming down on you. I'm just coming down on the general perception. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Oh, this is it. Last chance saloon. Last last dance. <laughs> Whew, better get it while they're hot kind of thing because mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to happen. I think it's still going to be an ebb and flow. And car companies are, well, they're already seeing like Ford is announcing their stop taking pre-orders for the F-150 electric truck, mm. the Lightning, because... They don't think they can fulfill them. They don't think they can keep up with demand. 200,000 pre-orders. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of vehicles. But on the other end of the spectrum, in the land of F-150s, that's not that much. Not and that much, so but they're this, already, these are electric. But, but my point is they're already having issues actually getting all the materials to make an electric yes. at 200,000. You compare that to the, what do they do, five or 600,000 a year in uh, in just F-150s? Mm-hmm. It's it's not a big percentage of that. There, mm, There's going to be so many changes to these supposed 2030, 2035 mandates. Nissan this week talked about all of their electric investment, and then in the press release they said, we expect to have 40% of our cars be electric by the mandate time, which means, by the way, <clears throat> I'm not good at math, more than 50% isn't. Look, it's important for car companies to state goals. Many of Absolutely. them are publicly yep. traded, and it's important to have a vision for the future and say, this is where we're going, team. This is where we're going, company, and that's what leaders do. I get it. Yeah, for sure. But with cars in particular, we just don't know what's going to happen to the market, and we don't know what's going to happen with politics. Yep, agreed. There, there's just no way of knowing. So I think a, a little bit of a more flexible viewpoint on what's coming and what will and will not be available. Battery technology is ever-changing. I'm thrilled to see that. Mm-hmm. But there's also a lot of manufacturers are talking about synthetic fuels too mm-hmm. to keep internal yeah, combustion yeah, yeah. engines alive. Yep. So that is a consideration. I will move on. But <laughs> Alexander does love the simplicity of owning a mild electric car. So plaid versus mild, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, there you go. Mm-hmm. And he's decided that working on fixing cars is no longer for him. Mm-hmm. That's totally fine. He plans to spend his time driving and giving a wash detail whenever. And he wants that daily that does it all, like an RS6 on a budget. We drooled over a recent RS6 yes. that we saw in Los Angeles. We saw a big press fleet lineup, and there so was the RS6 good. just lurking in the corner. Man, it looked good. But he's not sure which direction to go because the Mach-E GT is very enticing. So mm-hmm. is that F-150 Lightning. Tesla's a possibility, but he says they look incredibly dull. Okay. <laughs> But then he goes through a long list of internal combustion engine cars that intrigue him. The Genesis G70 and G80, he's like, those with the turbo sound awesome, and guess what they are. He's looked at used M3s. He acknowledges that the CT4 Blackwing, this is a place where Cadillac has gone, come get them while they're hot, this is the last one. He said it looks amazing, but he thinks it's outside of what he can actually afford. He almost bought a a Mercedes C43 AMG, but then he said uh, it sold while he was driving to the lot. 
So what we're left with is $60,000 to shop for something that could do all of this, which honestly is options. Yeah, you've got a lot. I like that you suggested that Genesis G70 or G80 with either engine. You looked at M3s. He says they might not have the space. There's so many options here. I'm going to start in. Alexander, I'm really intrigued about the Audi e-tron GT. Mm. They're too expensive for 60 grand right now, but I'm intrigued. I think they look better than a Taycan. Mm -hmm. I said that out loud. That CT4 Blackwing, though, starts at $60,000 with a manual, Mm -hmm. and that could be it. But to the future, or should we stay with the last dance? Look at that Blue Sedans episode that came out a fewer, uh, well, a few years ago. I'd get a newer Genesis G70, even though I did like that BMW a lot. Mm -hmm. But if we're going to do the last dance kind of a thing, it's either that CT4 Blackwing or a Lexus IS500. Oh, that's a good one. The backseat space isn't amazing. True. It's true. comparable yeah. to the G70. But if we're going to do this last dance kind of a car and have a V8 sedan, let's get a V8 sedan. Mm-hmm. Let's okay. get rowdy. Okay. I like it. I like it. My super wild card for you, though, is going to throw all of this out because I think this is the plan. Buy a brand new Honda Civic Si for $29,000. Oh, interesting. Okay. They're Where'd big inside. Yeah. Todd and I fit well in the back seats. When we have the front seat sets for us. Exactly. Yeah. So there's a lot of space. There's a shocking amount of space. The wheelbase is 1.4 inches longer than prior Civics. It's not SI, but it's I'm, longer. I'm going to stop you now and say this, because you and I talked about it on the shoot, and I still i am having trouble making what I'm about to say make sense in my brain. Okay. The Honda Civic theoretically is going to be the same car inside as the Honda in, I mean, the Acura Integra. Right. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> this means we're about to live in a world where the compact car that Acura sells, the Integra, has more interior space than the large car they sell, the TLX. In a world where nothing makes I, sense. I, it, it makes my head hurt. It bothers me this right. much. The Civic has shocking space. The TLX is fantastic looking and has terrible space. And it is the next size up. Since we've got sixty grand to work with, mm-hmm. we've taken $29,000 out. You have. Right? Yes. Uh, yeah. You have 31 left. My right. math is, is strong yes. today. Yes. <clears throat> so that just means if you have this for eight to 10 years, because you mentioned there's a possibility of having kids over six feet or about six feet tall, Uh, they're going to need to start driving in that time period. Dun, dun, dun. Okay. Guess what car you'll give them. It'll be used. They will have grown up with it. They will have a connection to it and you'll know the car's history from new. Look at you. And it's a manual transmission. It only comes with a manual and they will learn on the manual from the very beginning. So they will have that skill. Yep. Their hands will be busy. They are busy. There's nowhere for the phone to be. So how about the Civic Si to begin with? And now with $31,000, let's go shopping for Caymans and Boxsters and 996, (laughs) 911s and a Z3 M Cooper Roadster. Sure. Nope. Throw all that out. How about a fully loaded 2022 Toyota GR86 for $31,000? Look at you. Two new cars for $60,000 because you've got plenty of time to own an electric car, Alexander. Plenty of time. Wow. 31 grand. I like this. We'll get you the manual. You can choose manual or auto, auto, whichever you want. Or let's say you don't like any of that. You could do mm-hmm. some sort of cheap car challenge with that leftover $31,000. <laughs> but you have an actual great-to-drive car. It's mm-hmm. front-wheel drive, I know. But it's so much fun to drive. Mm-hmm. 
and it's got so much interior space that it's it's immediately more usable than any of the Genesis, the Stinger, the yeah. Alpha Julia, yeah. the BMW 3 Series. It has more space than the IS 500. Name them. It has more space. It's inexplicable, but yet it's true. And if you're wanting space for people and kids, and then now that's the hand-me-down yeah. car. And my dad gave me a cool Honda Civic Si as my first car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool. And then you've got your GR86, and by that time... Let's shop electric because everything will be electric by then, right? Well, and everybody will have lots of options, and there will be some that yes. are actually really exciting. We're on the cusp of some really exciting ones. I mean, they're, they're, we've driven a lot of them. We've driven almost all of the ones that are out right now. There's a bunch more coming. We're certainly intrigued by them. There's a cool question coming up in the questions about them. But, uh, yeah, I think if there's other fun to be had, you should chase it. I've got um, – I made pie charts, Alexander. There's, wow. There was a whiteboard session earlier. I, there's I graphs that and was tables. I, came in. Yeah. I think a PowerPoint happened. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody was thrown clear, and then I got my suggestion. <laughs> here so, we are. There you go. Alex, the, the two big things struck me here. You want four doors in space, but it's that story of you and your son that the Corvette is gone. We need fun back. Mm-hmm. So those are the two big takeaways for me. Four door, but that, you're longing for the days of that Corvette. $60,000 is a good budget for this. I don't even need to spend it all. Because what I'm thinking is, let's get you a four-door sedan that does all your four-door sedan stuff. And a nice watch? No. Oh. But it's genuinely fun. You'd like to drive it like you did that Corvette. You just enjoy being in it. You enjoy driving it. I see the ones you've mentioned, but I'm going to say to you, I'm sorry, we have to go right here. Alpha (laughs) Julia Quadrifolio. Get a couple-year-old one. Don't even spend your full 60. They're cool. Get one of those. I think you and the kids will cackle in that car. For sure. It doesn't have amazing backseat space, but it's better than the Genesis. It's yeah. better than the TLX. It's yeah. a little <laughs> bit better, than, better the, than the TLX. A little bit better than the current uh, BMW 3 Series. So it's it's got usable backseats, mm-hmm. and I think that car would make you laugh all the time. And let's say you have that car for four years instead of eight. Okay. Sure. But sure. I can't ignore this one because you sold a Corvette. You know, Alex, they um, they made a four-door Corvette. In fact, they actually <laughs> it branded it as a four-door Corvette. And I thought it was marketing speech until I drove one and kind of went, you know what this is kind of like? It's kind of like a four-door Corvette. The Chevy SS. Oh, Comes yeah. from the land down under, but was awesome. Get that with the Magna Ride. Whether you want auto or manual is really less important, but get it with the Magna Ride. You won't need to spend 60 on that. You'll spend 40 maybe 45 mm. and you will get the four door equivalent of the Corvette you had. <laughs> I think that is exactly the car is crying out to be yours, Alex. It's exactly what we're talking about. And Alexander, you, you can't say you didn't see that coming. Right? Yes. And, and that has really good backseat space. It does. It's better big. than most everything we've talked about. So I think the Chevy SS should be the top of your list, but I am going to go for one wild card. Okay. That you could get for about half your budget, maybe two thirds. Okay. You could be crazy dad. And get a Honda Civic Type R. Oh, be crazy, Dad. You could. And that would be, be very crazy, fun. Dad. But I still think um, you said, I sold a Corvette. I need a four-door. I, I just The dots connected themselves, man. We wound up at Chevy SS. Alexander, looking forward to hearing what you end up buying, what cars, what multiple cars you end up buying, what your new strategy is. Please write to us. Of course, your Topic Tuesdays, your car conclusions, and your car debates. 
my friend Paul tells me I'm always supposed to wash a car in a cool, shady spot. I don't always do that well, but I do use the Brilliant Finish Foaming Sprayer, or actually I use the Boss Foam Cannon from Griot's Garage. You have to use this. It's awesome. If you're a person like me who's not good at this, it makes it far easier. You create a high foam blizzard right in your driveway with little to no work, which I really like. You avoid wash-induced scratches. It is the safest way to wash your car. Try the Griot's Garage Foaming System Complete Kit today and see what the foam is all about. Griot's also has a full ceramic family of products, including Speed Shine, Wash and & Coat, and 3-in-1 Wax. All Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed, and all liquid products are made in the USA. When you're ordering at griotsgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griotsgarage.com. Some great questions, as always, guys. Walid wrote in. Walid was on the uh, Utah meetup this year. Yeah. And yeah. he actually rented a Macan and had an incredibly fun time. He's writing in with an interesting question. He says, how do you put aside a bias toward internal combustion engine cars that enthusiasts have when evaluating an electric vehicle? How, how, do we, how long do we have until an electric Miata is always the answer? We've already discussed this a little bit, Walid. I, I, the market is changing massively, but I think there's going to be far more variations of what's possible than just a straight on, well, we used to have gas cars, now we have electric cars. Somebody flipped a switch, we're done. I think it's going to be much broader than that. However, the interesting thing is the stuff that I like in vehicles doesn't relate to whether or not the engine's electric. I mean, there's there's some really good engines out there. Yeah. There's, you know, yeah. I, there's some sixes that are great. There's some eights and some tens some and twelves that are gorgeous and very fun to drive around and hear and all that kind of stuff. There's some fours that are passable but give you great power. They're not that interesting, uh, you know, sound-wise, but they give you great power. But ultimately, I want to feel like the car is working with me and is easy to drive. I want to feel like I'm vital. This is my problem with electric cars. Not that they're driven by electricity. It's the fact that they don't need me. The, the, okay. Everybody's, everybody's so focused on making sure that I don't have to worry about driving. And I'm like, but I'd like to drive. I mean, the issue with electric cars, at least in this, at this point in time, is it implies extra weight. Sure. That's the unfortunate yes. thing. Yes, when it we does. Say electric, the implication is just they're a thousand pounds or more heavier mm-hmm. than yeah. you know, its standard counterpart. It make it. Make it lightweight and involving. Make it need me. Mm-hmm. And I don't care what it's powered by. So when, when we're getting into, we got into those three electric SUVs recently, the Model Y, the Mach-E, and the ID4. And I loved that discussion because they were, we were just comparing them to each other. So there wasn't even a, well, can the electric beat the internal combustion engine? Who cares? Let's just talk about these as what they are. And I, and I thoroughly enjoyed finding the nuances between them. But back to what I'm saying, it took a long time to find those nuances. We get in gasoline cars, and you can drive down the block and be like, oh, oh, I already realized this. These electric cars were so similar in their makeup, and that was specifically those three. But they were so similar in their kind of skateboard platform mm-hmm. that it took mm-hmm. me about a day and a half to be like, oh, I'm starting to see the differences. Never taken me that long before. So give me something that's involving and the honestly – I don't care about the powertrain. I care about the involvement level and the ease of use and the ergonomics. And I hate to say this because somebody's going to accuse me of being old, but I stand by it. Touchscreens do not rule all. When you are driving, you need things to grab, buttons to press, knobs to turn. That is easier for driving. I agree to that. Well, a, a related question here comes from T Downey, 28. 
who asks what cars would still be fun even if they had 25 to 50 percent less power. That's excellent. And they do. It's really good. I mean, my natural inclination is to target the high-end stuff, a McLaren 570. Mm. Now, can we say with less power comes maybe a little bit less weight? Or they, mm. because of the mm. larger engine, like a, even a small displacement V8, if it's half the size, can we say it comes with a little bit less weight too? And in that case, sure. I'd take a McLaren 570 with half of its horsepower and three to five to 800 pounds less weight. Sign me up for that. It's already kind of a small car. Well, it's interesting. If you, if you can actually tear this down this way, if you look at like the super sedans or even super sports cars, super sedans are easy. Look at the fire breathers, the Alpha Julia and the M3. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll go here. I'll go Alpha Julia for one size platform and the M2. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't mean that the Alpha... Julia Quadrifolio, which has like 500-something horsepower. When you get the base, it is half the power. But guess yeah. what? It's still fun to drive. Yeah, it's not half when the you fun. Get, right. When you get the base 2 Series from the M2, still good. Mm-hmm. And the most mm-hmm. extreme example is Caterham. Caterham did this recently, and we didn't get this car, but I would love to have had it. Caterham's most powerful car, if memory serves, is like 300 horsepower from the factory, if, if I remember correctly. But they recently released one that was less than 100 <laughs> Okay, now yeah. the car weighs like fourteen hundred pounds, That's but it the had issue. but it had like a hundred horsepower. If memory serves, I think it was like eighty five horsepower, and all of the European journalists drove it, and there wasn't one review that was like, you know, it's boring. <laughs> right? They were hooning it, right. they were launching it, they were <clears throat> cackling in it. It's back to that involvement thing. Power isn't the key, but I think when you have a good chassis, if the chassis deals in power deals with its power well, but the chassis itself and the engagement is good, you can take the power away. It's still fun. The Lotus is not fun because it's powerful. Uh, Owen, who wrote us recently, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who lives in Switzerland, he has a less powerful Elise in the Opel Speedster. He's got like 120 or 140 horsepower. I have 200. But he talks about how it's the best car he's ever driven. So a good chassis is kind of power relevant. This is the place where Paul and I split on the 86. But... Even Paul will acknowledge that the first 86 is fantastically good to drive in corners. He just wishes it had more power, but it doesn't take away the fact that it's still good. With the right tires. I'll add the right tires. Yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, no, I will it, back it comes alive. There. Absolutely. But the new one, I can't deny. That's why I feel like I'm just all about the new GR86. <laughs> I can't stop you thinking got, about you it. You guys thought I talked up the last 86. I can't stop thinking about Brace it because yourselves. they did add the power. Mm-hmm. But this is not universal. And what you're talking about here is what Todd and I have talked about for a series, maybe a series of episodes called The Price of Fun. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that is subjective across the board because that huge amount of horsepower in a Hellcat powered anything is what makes it fun. Yes. And 25 to 50% less just makes it a sedan. Mm-hmm. Not that fun. Mm-hmm. But then the engagement, wow, all this crazy power. Yeah, so yeah. now I'm worried about future electric cars. That 1,000 horsepower will be the minimum. To, and that's like, what they're all being sold on. And it can, and it's got range, and it's really heavy, and it still takes off, and... Okay, but I still like the balance of, you know, Caymans to Miatas to GR86s and in that sweet spot of sports cars, Mustangs at the heavy end and Elise's at the, you know, light, almost too light end. (laughs) Too light. Too light. (laughs) And everything in there. But the extremes are the heavy electric trucks, the new Hummer Mm -hmm. coming out. Yeah. It's on paper. It just seems like that nobody should not own this. <laughs> it has like 300 miles of range. You can do the crab walk. It's mm-hmm. 11,000 pounds or something like that. Yeah. And it's really quick. 
Okay, oh, yeah. let's yeah, yeah. get one of those. Yeah, well, that's the thing. They're all being sold just on sheer horsepower, number, and speed. Right. And that's one tiny factor of what makes a car interesting. Figgy Mark says, with the current car market, what are our thoughts on test driving newly released cars like the 86, like the Civic Si, and a WRX, a brand new one, before placing an order? Should we wait six months to a year before anybody, before you can test drive one? How do we avoid, we, the collective we, avoid ordering based on a spec sheet and reviews? It's pretty mm, tough. It is hard. The community, your car community, is the best resource. Leaning on people who did get one. They got their name on the list early and they got one. Now, <laughs> everybody is trying to be their best friend. They're mm-hmm. kind of like a lottery yeah, winner yeah. in that sense. But if you can lean on the community, if you're into it and you know that this is really what I'm into, that brand, that car, hey, can I yeah. Can I do something? Can I barter? Can I pay you? Is there one on Turo? Is there one on Haggerty Driveshare? Where can I get a car You know, to get your hands on one and get driving? Because that's the biggest thing is we assign drive homework, not spec sheet review and watch videos homework. <laughs> you're right. It's hard. It's I agree. Hard, yeah. But... I wouldn't just put all your hopes and dreams into that one car because spec sheets do not tell the whole story. If the spec sheets just alone for the new GR86 were, and I hadn't driven it, I'd be like, meh, okay, you know, mm-hmm. golf clap. <laughs> Yay. Good job, <laughs> you. Yeah. But then I drove it and I thought, huh, that little bit of extra horsepower. Huh, mm-hmm. That Miata RF with the 26 more horsepower. It's all the difference in the world. Yeah. But on paper, who cares? The engine has such a different personality, and yeah. it changes everything. It's crazy yeah. how that works. Bam QP says, when we're on the interstate, do we drive and pass with the cruise control, or do we stick with the gas pedal? He finds it frustrating when he gets passed by somebody on the freeway, and then moments later, he's creeping past them because his cruise control is set. Honestly, I don't worry about whether or not I'm passing with cruise control on. A lot of times I'll turn it off because we got I got slowed down by this guy and then I got to go over there and so the cruise control is off for a few minutes while I'm actually navigating this slowdown, but then I use it like crazy. Watch my Lotus Elise piece because I bemoan at one point the fact that it does not have cruise control. And you know what? <laughs> when you are doing a road trip, it is helpful. It did the, come across as kind of a bummer. the 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 large The large problem here is the fact that it's not people passing with their cruise control set. It's the fact that people don't use it. Period. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be on the freeway for very long at all, I think it is vital. And I think it's vital for two reasons. One, it makes it easier to maintain your speed. But the second thing is just the fact that it's so easy if you're a car enthusiast and you're going very far to keep going faster. Yeah. I don't think I'm yeah. alone in this. I don't think I'm yeah. the only one that if you give me an hour to drive, I'm driving faster <laughs> at the end of the hour than I was at the beginning of the hour. I don't think I'm alone. <laughs> the only thing that saves me is cruise control. So I'm a huge believer in it. And if you have it and you're spending time on the freeway, I highly recommend you use it. Midwestern watch dude currently drives a 2019 Volkswagen GTI. Oh, I like this one. He's had the car for nearly two years and loves it. It's great. However, he agrees with both of our sentiments that it's muted and lacks some personality. Do we think that adding a catback exhaust would help unlock some of what it's missing? Or should he start fresh with something else? Mentions the new Elantra N and Golf R look enticing. Mm. Well, I would like to say that parts, aftermarket parts companies have built businesses, empires, mm-hmm. on helping enthusiasts try to unlock what's missing. Yes. By spending money and adding, have I done it? I think that part, no, 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 that part's on sale. I think that'll do it this time around. Ah, that part didn't do it. 
but at least it's anodized aluminum. Okay, what's the next part? <laughs> that one's got a cool logo on it. it does. I like that one. So how about the next part? And this is why car companies do their own tuning, of course, and offer special yeah. editions. But as we've said for years, you don't have to dislike that car, and you still love it. You don't have to dislike it. You can continue to love that car and let it go bye-bye. You can. I like this question. I want to talk about this from two different angles. First off, the keeping your car angle. Uh, take it from the guy that has put exhausts on many cars and not been happy about it. Deep regret is the uh, words. <laughs> What you're basically telling me is, I don't think that the car is fun enough to drive. What if it was louder? <laughs> right. That's what you've said. Right. Yes. And I'm sorry, but I don't think loud is going to equal fun. It'll be yeah. more noticeable. It'll have more shouty-shoutiness. Yeah. But I don't think it gets more fun that way. If you want to actually take your GTI, and I'm going to go non-GTI in a minute, but if you want to take your GTI and make it more fun, you need to call our friends here locally at Integrated Engineering. Mm, yes. They have done ridiculous things to Volkswagen products. They have, yeah. you know, pick your kit, pick your thing you need. You can make that car hair on fire in a way that Volkswagen never imagined. So, yes, they can help you if you want to do that. The catback exhaust is not going to solve your problem, but Agreed. various tuning and parts and things you can do to that car would actually make it more fun. However, here's the flip side. If you feel like the chassis itself isn't fun, you could be chasing your own tail. And this is where stepping out and getting something else that you find more fun out of the box. Because what you're doing is you're accentuating what you were given out of the box. Sure. And sure. integrated engineer is a great example. They can make a Volkswagen more more fun, more fast, all those kinds you're of things. Absolutely right. You're absolutely right. But if you don't aren't connecting with the driver fun of a Volkswagen, you might need to get in something that's not a Volkswagen. Look, I, I feel some clarification is necessary here because integrated engineering has stages. Oh, yeah. For and they, sure do they do their testing. Of course they do. So when they offer a kit or parts, it's designed to specifically do blank. And others do as well. And when yes. you talk to Peter Dave at integrated engineering, they'll ask you, what do you want the car to do? What are you trying to get out of it? And let me help you get the right thing for your car versus thumbing through a catalog of aftermarket parts and mm -hmm, saying, mm -hmm. oh, that seems like it'll give me different sound, better, you know, that kind of thing. And you're doing it yourself without knowing the testing and knowing the results of the testing yeah, as to yeah. what you're looking for. Th those are two different things where I'm just ordering parts versus talking to experts like Pete and Dave sure, yeah, and yeah. saying, hey, I need help. This car is great. I, I want to accentuate, magnify, make this better. And they can say, all right, what's your budget? Let me help you out. I've got things to recommend. That's the difference rather than just saying, look, I fell victim to this early on mm -hmm. when I had my Audi. Sure, yeah, yeah. I thought, oh, cold air intake. I'm not, why, why do I need that? What is it going to do? Mm -hmm. I, no, the two or three horsepower. No, I didn't really feel it. We, and I spent $282 on a thing. <laughs> it, it didn't matter. You've bumped us into a conversation we've had before, Mid Midwestern Watch Dude, and that is, what do you want a car to do for you personally? And then did you buy the right car to get there? Because I'll give you two, two extreme examples. If you've always, always wanted handling, and you come at me with, I have a Dodge Charger Hellcat, can I make it handle? You have the wrong car for handling. Sure. If you bought sure. yourself an 86, an FRS, first-gen 86, and what you really, really want is I have straight roads and I want it to be powerful, what should I do to my FRS? <laughs> Sell <Right>. it and buy <laughs> right. something that came with a lot more power. So you gotta have, you got to get to the core of what you're wanting the car to be and then figure out if that GTI can be that or not. Similar question from last time. John Drive says, what would you do if you owned the last year of a car before it got a major upgrade or facelift that all the automotive journalists say is so much better than the one you own? <laughs> I get the feeling he did this. I, I think this is from personal experience. Asking for a friend? Uh-huh. He owns a 2020 BRZ with a performance package. Mm. 
Still a great car. Still a great car. I say enjoy it. You don't have to... I don't want you also to be beholden to the tyranny of the new. Mm. Because theoretically, the new model of anything should be better, right? It is better. It looks better. drives better. More power. Better, better, better. Mm. That's the hope. This is why car companies move so incrementally slow throughout their models. Think, well, Porsche has the capability to do a 700 horsepower. Why don't they just do it? Well, think about the next generation. Mm. How are they going to sell more cars? Because that's the ultimate goal is to continue selling cars. Yeah, they want to sell cars now, but they still have to sell cars 5, 10, 20, 30 years from now. So if we blow it out now with the special edition, yeah, what do we do for the next one? Mm -hmm. Now we're in this, again, crazy time because of electric cars and new platforms are coming. But you don't have to fall beholden to, you know, like I said, well, the new one came out. The new Apple product came out, so I have to get it. No, you don't. (laughs) Start with tires. The simplest, easiest solve is to start with tires and upgrade Maybe it's a wheel too to get a, a bit of you know wider tire on there, but go very slowly, go incrementally. Before that, do a driver upgrade. Go mm. driving at some driving schools, and then see if you can extract more out of your car. And you think, I don't need to upgrade my car. I just I learned something new. I learned mm. new about you know the line or driving habits, and I'm extracting more from my car than ever before. And I just want to spend another year just enjoying that. Mm. Great. Mm. Those are all valid options. You don't have to think. Well, I just need more shove in the back, or you know. Then, then you're thumbing your way through aftermarket parts going, how do I find the thing I need? But what is it I'm looking for? Got to define it first. Chase Duncan has a question that there's a lot of personal nuance here that you're going to have to navigate, but I'll give you my impressions on it. And that is if you're buying a niche car out of state, a Lotus, an Alpha, an Exotic, and there aren't very many dealers or mechanics around that even work with the car, how do you get a good pre-purchase inspection? Because what if the person doing the pre-purchase inspection is the person that the current owner takes their car to? Mm-hmm. Are you going to have conflict of interest? Are they going to want to kind of sell you because they, they know the current owner and they're going to tell you that the car is awesome? Maybe, maybe. But let me, let me tell you a couple of different layers here. First off, your base pre-purchase inspection can be done by any mechanic. There's some it's basic true. things that a pre-purchase inspection covers that's not that intense, and they can tell you if the brakes are going on, how's the transmission, does it have any leaks, all this kind of basic stuff can be done by your local garage on pretty much any car. Now, if you jump to the niche pre-purchase inspection, Porsche is known for this, but when I got my Lotus, I discovered there's the same thing. It's like a 300-point special inspection, and they plug into the OBD2 port, and they download the car's history and the number of over-revs, and it gets nuts. <laughs> If you want to do that, if you're buying a specialty car and you want to do that, then go to whatever mechanic does that. And if it happens to be the same place that the current car is being serviced, I actually think that can be a bonus. Now, if this mechanic is my brother, okay, that could be a problem. If he's the mechanic (laughs) for that area, for those cars, what you can actually do, and I've done this before, you can call that mechanic independent of the current owner of the car you're considering buying and go, look, this car, I'm thinking of buying it. Tell me about it. Mm -hmm. And in my experience, I'm not saying this is across the board, but in my experience, the mechanic just wants to tell you what they remember about the car. It's not going to be, well, I'm going to tell you something because I like that guy. Okay, whatever. The car, you know what? That car's never been taken care of very well. Or that car is the cleanest one I've ever seen. 
Mm-hmm. That generally, the places that, that want to do service just want to tell you what the car was like. When I got my wife's Cayenne, I actually found that the local Salt Lake Porsche dealer had done a bunch of service on it. So I went in there one day, and I found the service manager, and I said, I want you to tell me about this car. Here's the VIN. And he said, let me get your printout. It's nice. So if you find nice. that, that you bump into the place where the work's been done, I think that can be a bonus unless you happen to be related to the mechanic, the guy selling it. Then, okay, maybe there's conflict <laughs> of interest. Jeffrey Johnson says, how do we feel about reliving cars of our parents' past? Mm. Always wanted to drive and own the old cars his dad had when he was growing up. Jag E-Type, 66 Stingray, 86 E30, mm. 89S Super Turbo. The ones that got him into cars. But is that price of entry worth the driving experience? Do we have a TV episode for you? Do we ever? <laughs> it's episode number one for it season 10. It is number 10, one. Yes, it's not? already shipped. Well, Jeffrey... The driving experience is going to be cumulative. It's going to add up over time. Mm, as soon as you good. buy the car, you can't definitively say. You're, you might have some buyer's regret, buyer's remorse, mm-hmm. and then, I don't know. But over time, as you build your own memories with those cars and appreciate it, not just for the memories your folks had, but for the memories that you're currently making with mm. kids, with family, with friends. And that is, it adds up over time as you plan to do things with that car. You take road trips, you go places, you've got photos of you doing the funny, cool, great thing with the car. Christmas photos, for example. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so once you do that and you own it for a while, then get back to me to say, was it worth it? Because mm. up front, the costs are going to be uh, astronomical. To get a nice one of the one you want. And mm-hmm. let's say you get yeah. a junky one of one of those. Yeah. Well, guess what you're going to be spending all your time doing? Oh, Buying yeah. parts mm-hmm. online. Oh, yeah. And then wrenching on those mm-hmm. the car and putting those parts on. That's fine. I, I mean, I love doing that. Mm-hmm. I did it a lot this year. But <laughs> yeah, you did. That's also part of the fun. It, it definitely connects you to the car, too. So, yes, it can be worth it. Mm-hmm. But it's not going to be worth it or seemingly worth it immediately. That's a great take. I really like that. Jeffrey, I want to add to this by saying this reality. I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to pull all emotion out of it for a second and okay. ask you this question. Do you want a 60 year old car? I mean, do you? Yikes, run away. Seriously. No. And, and, <laughs> no. and if your immediate response was absolutely not, then you've actually answered the question. Sure. Because sure. if you get into something that is 50, 60 years old, guess what it is more than anything? It is a 50 or 60 year old machine. That's a great point. So, it's not going to run right. Or when it runs, it's going to sometimes feel fragile. Or then if something breaks, how do I get that part? Or what happened? There's going to be that, how do I keep this lingering, mm-hmm. can never be disconnected from a machine that old. That doesn't mean it might not be cool and fun and enjoyable. But you have got to ask that core question first of, are you willing to have a car that is that old at all? Because if it's just not really then your parents had that experience. You had whatever your experience was with the car, and we're done. Okay? Yeah, that's true. But Because you've got to ask that question. Because right now, you and I are doing our cars the past. They're between 30 and 40 years old. And while I'm enjoying, this is personal. This isn't even like one generation back nostalgia. It's not my dad's car. It's our cars. Right, right. And yet, we're still dealing with this already. These are old cars. I mean, that's so, a clinical way of looking at it, but, but it's a valid way. It, but here, if, you're on, if you're on the fence, Jeffrey, <laughs> yeah. I want you to look at it that way and, and, get, and embrace the fact that it will never not be a very old car. True. That doesn't mean it might not be really worth it. But you've got to go in eyes open and be like, okay, we're buying a serious classic. <laughs> you can see our Season 10 trailer on Facebook and Instagram. It is currently up. 
it gives you just a taste of everything we've done for this season. It's going to be cool. We're very proud of this. It's very interesting and more two car episodes. Yeah. A lot of really fun comparison episodes which means in more different in depth, places. I yeah, think for sure, which is nice. And we can't wait to, to share that with you as January 1st, 2022, 7.30 a.m. Eastern on the Motor Trend Cable Channel. We hope you catch it. And it's coming soon to Amazon Prime and streaming after that. So it'll be be, uh, out hopefully uh, very soon. Can't wait to share it with you. Looking forward to next time. As always, cheers, everyone.